We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Try from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau. Joined today, co-host Dallas Hammer, holding it down in Spokane. Dallas, I see some paraphernalia. Yeah, got to put the Idaho hat on. You know, it's it's week one. It's it's optimism time, and I'm in a really good headspace. My main man, Trevor Zegris, got the NHL 23 draft cover, so the Ducks are on the upswing. I'm like, I'm in positive central right now. Check back in with me in about four days. And for viewers, you can see there's something a little different, maybe a little more cool about our producer, Martin Heemstra, Wears his sunglasses both at night and inside if you're watching live. Martin, how's it going in Moscow? I'm doing good. The second week of school is just ramping up in Moscow. It's good to have Moscow alive again. It's it's a good time back in uh, Moscow right now. Well, you say it's a good time in Moscow, and my pushback is we're previewing week one. College football, college football season's here, guys. This is a good week for everyone. Even if you're an FCS team like Idaho who opens with, a, let's say, not the easiest game of your season. Look, we're going to jump into the preview right away. It's Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. Dallas, look, this is, an, is not a secret if, you've been, if you follow Idaho. But if you're new to Idaho, FCS teams often play one to two FBS teams to open the season out of conference play. It's how they fund the athletic department. Yeah, that part sucks. But... Upsets exist. They've happened before. So we, we need to go through and look, Idaho is going to be playing in Pullman at 6.30 p.m. on Saturday, September 3rd. And the very first thing we need to do is go over, okay, like who the hell are, are these Washington State Cougars? So there's, there's two major points to this Wazoo team. The defense from last year came back. Obviously, the defensive coordinator is promoted to head coach. They're going to be bringing back the same defensive scheme. Offensively, this is a completely different team than than last year's team, and it starts with with Cam Ward. Uh, for those who don't know, Cam Ward transferred in from Incarnate Ward, Ward alongside his head coach at Incarnate Ward, Eric Morris. Uh, Morris is now the offensive coordinator. Essentially, they're rolling back to the air raid. Nor, uh, Morris is a former Leech disciple. He was a former offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. This is going to be a team that's going to try to put up a million points through the air, which on paper, when you look at Idaho's defense last year, seems like the right way to attack this team week one. Yeah, and like you you hit on it already. Look, last season's Washington State Cougar, Cougars finished seven and six overall. So, you know, that barely bull eligible kind of Mendoza line of 500 that exists in the FBS. But uh, the last season, they, of course, had the instability of firing – Nick Rolovich midseason, we can presume that's probably not going to happen with Jeff Dickert this year. And the weakness of Washington State last year was was the offensive side of the ball. And Cam Ward transferred from Incarnate Word, like Dallas said. He is described uh, by our friend Colton Clark from the Spokesman Review, former Idaho Beat reporter who, who helped us out with our research. 
he said the the comparisons people give of Cam Ward to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's partially lazy because the his offensive coordinator and former head coach at Incarnate Word played and coached with Mike Leach. But the comparison is that relative to this level of football, the guy's got a cannon. He threw for 47 touchdowns at Incarnate Word last season, 65% completion percentage. He's mobile and he's not a guy who really loses much on his on the ball at all when he's mobile. Uh, Jane Delora was a starting quarterback for Washington state last year. He transferred to Arizona. Good call for Delora because according to Colton Clark, if Delora was still on the roster, there's no way he'd be starting over cam ward. Ward is that big of an improvement on the offensive side of the ball. Another thing for Vandal for Vandals to pay attention to cam ward has to throw it to some guys and wide receiver is another, it's a relative strength of this Washington state team. Uh, some of the guys to look for, look, Washington state lost two receivers to the NFL from last season and their receiving core actually might be deeper this year than last year. Top returner is um, Dejon Stribling, number 88 caught five touchdowns last season was honorable mention uh, all pack 12. He's easily the most explosive receiver. The other, their other top receivers are Reynard Bell and uh, Lincoln Victor. Lincoln Victor is a transfer from Hawaii. He, those two are their slot receivers. You know, they're going to get those chunk plays. They're going to get, they'll also get some of those, you know, short, those screen passes um, that the air raids kind of famous for where the pass replaces the run. But uh, look, Washington state across both quarterback and receiver relative to the pack 12, that's what one of the strengths and one of the parts that people point to when they expect this WSU team to play in a bowl again. And that's the, I mean, the, the terrifying thing here is you talked about uh, Dejon Stribling, Renard B- Bell and Lincoln Victor. All three of those guys are former all pack 12 honorable mentions uh, Stribling last year, uh, 400, uh, 471 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, Renard Bell has been injured most of his career. He actually played back with Luke Falk all the way back in 2017, but getting the COVID year and then a medical red shirt. He's, he's had a lot of time. He's going to be back here. Uh, he was an really quick. He's a seventh year senior. Exactly. I mean, if, he's, if you guys are curious, Dallas, I'll quit filibustering you. The dude's red shirt year original was 2016. His first year playing with Luke Falk, like Dallas referenced was 2017. He's the Pac-12 case cook, except he catches the ball. Exactly. Uh, he's probably going to be mostly kick return, punt return. He is listed as a starter, but uh, you know who, who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, they they are going to roll out a whole bunch of receivers because they are moving to the air raid. Uh, and then Lincoln Victor uh, transferred from Hawaii a couple years ago. He was an honorable mention all-purpose player last year. Like This is a really deep offense, which is terrifying when you look at these guys that were honorable mention in a scheme that wasn't the air raid last year, Wazoo's offense was not particularly good. They, they were, they were great through the air second in passing in the pack 12, but realistically they, they were middle of the pack in scoring. They were terrible on third and fourth down. They couldn't run the ball, which not that that's going to change either, but even just their overall yards were, was in the, it was the bottom half of the pack 12 last year. Like the defense carried this team and you're looking at, New quarterback who is going to be better than Delora was. No offense to Delora, but Cam Ward is being talked about as an NFL draft prospect. Maybe not necessarily like a first rounder, but the kid's got a future in the NFL. You change to the air raid 
and a scheme where they put up an incredible amount of points. I know that we're, we're talking about the FCS to FBS transition, but last year, Incarnate Ward scored 39.5 points a game, and the year before that, the spring season, they scored 42 points a game. Like This is a really, really deep team from the, the skill positions. Running back, we haven't really covered. Nakia Watson, he's a former transfer from Wisconsin. He's the guy who's got the job, but again, we're talking about an air raid team. We're not really going to see a whole lot out of the running backs other than catching a couple you know, dump-off passes. The offensive line is the one area that's kind of concerning for Wazoo, just not, not a ton of depth there. Uh, their left tackle, Jarrett Kingston, did start 12 games last year at left tackle, then start, or excuse me, at left guard, then started in at left tackle in their bowl game. Uh, Connor Gomnis started eight games for them at center last year. He's back. Grant Stevens transferred in from the Fighting McCaffreys. Uh, he was all bat, big guy second team last year. And that's really about it of their noteworthy guys. Every, they're kind of in the same position Idaho is of they've got a bunch of young depth and not a whole lot of guys that have really played. So big question mark for them there including second string right tackle, former Zach Kloss basketball player, Jack Wilson. He's backup right tackle. Colton Clark said he's probably not going to play a ton. He's incredibly raw. It's just kind of an interesting story how he went from injury issues in basketball to now he's finishing his collegiate career playing football. By the way, he, he didn't play football in high school. So he uh, hooked up with the strength and conditioning coach, got huge, but he's not going to be playing much. Um, the other look, I want to jump back one more step. Uh, talk a little bit more about the the offense. WSU again, Dallas is right. That look, their their air raid, their base set is four wide receivers. The offensive coordinator, um, the plan right now that uh, Eric Morris has for WSU is sixty percent passing, forty percent rushing, and looks the the principles he would he would use it's again you spread the ball you, so you spread the, the defense out and then you have fewer guys to get through it's kind of like the anti zach borish offense right from last year but based off talking to colton and based off the relative strength of wsu i would be floored if 60 40 is an actual pass rush split that this team gets unless they you know unless wsu builds a comfortable comfortable lead pretty quick now we've talked about the offensive side of the ball Last season, defense was a relative strength. Now, partially because the defense and special teams was able to uh, generate more points than you might guess. Key returners on the defensive line, it's they're both their edge rushers. Ron Stone, he's, he's the top one. Preseason all Pac-12 first team this year. 2021 all Pac-12 first team last year. And uh, the, on the other side, Brennan Jackson, who this season, he's a 2020, he's a all Pac-12 honorable mention, according to Colton. That's kind of where the defensive pressure begins and begins for WSU and that both their edge rushers are big, especially relative to a big skyline. They're big and quick, and there's a lot of starts between the two. Well, and then you also have Christian Meha and Antonio Pulet III, who are both 300-pound defensive tackles on the inside of them. So you're talking about four extraordinarily large human beings that have NFL-caliber bodies. Maybe not NFL-caliber talent, but NFL-caliber bodies filling up that defensive line. And then they so the defense is set up as a 4-2-5. They play with a nickel almost exclusively, so they do take off the, the third linebacker and kind of play two two inside linebackers that also kind of have to cover a little bit of field. You know, the four, two, five is not very popular in the NFL, but it is very 
prolific in college, especially when guys are a little bit smaller, a little bit more athletic. Uh, they have uh, Dayon Henley, a, a transfer from Nevada. He was a second team All Mountain West last year. Had 103 tackles, four picks, four pass breakups, three fumble recoveries. He's going to be kind of the the leader inside the the middle of the defense. And then their secondary is incredible. We'll get to that in a second. But the thing Brian really kind of even sold it short on is their defense was responsible for a ton of points last year. They they gained 20, 29 turnovers last year, 15 picks, 14 fumble recoveries, third in the, the Pac-12 in interceptions, 14th nationally, and then fumble recoveries. They were first in the Pac-12, second nationally. They were obviously first in the Pac-12 in turnovers gained. Sixth in the nation turno- with the turnovers. Uh, seventh nationally in turnover ratio with plus 11. They gained almost 0.85 turnovers a game. Like This is a defense that, that takes the ball away. Now, you could say, bright side, turnovers seem to, to regulate year over year. Maybe they're not going to be a top 10 team in turnovers nationally. Maybe that's where Idaho's got a shot. But realistically, you come in expecting this team is probably going to take the ball away at least one time. It, like you, you brought up the point that our listeners probably care about a little bit more now that they've got to meet this week's opponent is so it look if WSU is strong in all these areas, what are the what can what's Idaho going to be able to do? Everyone knows, everyone with the brain knows that a big sky team, a mid to like bottom half team in the big sky, which look until Idaho proves they're out of the bottom half, they've only been in the bottom half of the big sky. How does how does that team pull off a win against a top half of the Pac-12 team? One, it's just going to be luck in that there any time a Big Sky team beats a Pac-12 team, even when it was Eastern's nationally competitive teams, there's going to have to be some element of the Big Sky team, Idaho here, is clicking, and WSU, the Pac-12 team, happens to not be. But to get more specific, Washington State's a little bit like Idaho on the offensive line in that reports are that their first string guys are good, but there's a pretty big drop off when you go from first string to second string, which if Idaho's front seven, a relative strength is going to have, have some sort of footprint on this game. It is probably going to come when some of the substitute, the second stringers come in for WSU. And that's where our, our linebacking core and our edge rushing duo of Leo, Leo Tomba on one side, Juliana Falonico, USC transfer on the other, are going to have to be able to make sure Cam Ward is not comfortable. So Cam Ward is comfortable. Look, he's better than Eric Berrier. And we, we've seen in Idaho when a guy like Eric Berrier is comfortable. Well, there's less margin of victory here. Uh, sorry, there's less margin for error here against Cam Ward than Eric Berrier. So Idaho's relative strength, front seven, is going to have to have a lights-out performance, fortunately, against a potential relative weakness of WSU. But Dallas, you probably have some other areas you'd pay attention to as far as, look, if Idaho's going to win and make this comp- – or at least make this competitive, who's going to – what's the matchups that are going to make that happen? The the big thing from the offensive line for Idaho has to, A, stay healthy, uh, and B, they have to mesh immediately. If there is any chance to to beat Wazoo here, it's by controlling the ball and moving it down the field. It's about the one weakness from Wazoo's defense last year. I could rip through a bunch of things. Uh, they were first in the Pac-12 in red zone efficiency and 10th nationally. Uh, they 
they blocked a bunch of kicks and punts. They were 21st in block kicks, 17th in block punts. So special teams is great if you kind of combine the two of them like a lot of people tend to do. But if you look at the numbers, where Wazoo struggled was defending the run. They were 80th nationally. It was about the only thing that they weren't a top half defense in the nation in. So they brought back a bunch of guys from that front seven. So they're probably going to get a little bit better because it is mostly seniors and juniors, but that's, that's going to be the key for Idaho. You have to hang on to the ball. You can't turn it over. You have to run the ball consistently and just drain that clock because the, the problem is the, the air raid is all about having depth that I know that their offensive line doesn't have a ton of it, but you can expect that their receiving core, those guys are not going to get tired. They're going to be shuttling in maybe eight different receivers across the four positions it's it's going to have to come down to Idaho just winning the time of possession, not turning it over, and scoring touchdowns, just running the ball right down their throats. Which relative strength for Idaho are are running backs? Two deep has has been published this week. Roshan Johnson is the number one running back. Andre Carter is the number two running back. There is not a number three running back listed. Uh, the the other thing, you know, you talk about the offensive line is gonna if Idaho's gonna be competitive or win in this game, offensive line has to click immediately. Look, we we said last week, we've said it for a couple weeks. Best information is even though Jason Eck is not named a starting quarterback for Idaho, best information is to expect it's gonna be Giovanni McCoy. McCoy is gonna have to be connecting on all cylinders in a way. Last the last season, people saw promise in McCoy because he, one he stood he he was tough physically against some pretty rough against Eastern and Montana. Took some rough hits and just kept on going. Showed that he has an arm. Did throw a touchdown pass. But look, WS, if you want cut slack for Giovanni last season against Montana and Eastern, WSU is a completely different monster than either Montana or Eastern. So Giovanni McCoy, look, we know he can move well enough to extend plays. We also know he's he's small, but he's got an arm. This is this is not like a you know 2018 19 Mason Petrino thing. Do not be uh, confused by his stature. Giovanni can absolutely sling it. So if I look, we know Jason X is going to do a lot of two back sets, a lot of two tight end sets. That's part of how we're going to support the offensive line that it new head coach can't build an entire new offensive line in a year. Part of how we how we support that is two backs, two tight ends. But when McCoy has his chances, he's going to have to take them. He's going to have to hit them. And you brought up WSU forcing turnovers, getting points on special teams as well. McCoy is going to be part of that equation for Idaho of if this game is going to be competitive, Idaho needs to make sure WSU earns their points on the offensive side of the ball. We, we cannot. Idaho cannot give up big plays through, through turnovers or on special teams where WSU can get a couple scores quick and the game feels over. And that's that's I mean that's what it's going to come down to. A lot of the names on this defense have returned, but if you look at the depth chart, which uh, for anybody that's curious, you can go check out uh, re- realistically the Vandal web- website. But Brian also tweeted it a couple of days ago. If you're watching on YouTube, you you see the depth chart. But just for our audio listeners, uh, Falanico is a starter. Nate DeGraw is back. Sam Brown, redshirt freshman, is starting at nose tackle, uh, so a little bit younger there. But Leo Tomba's there. Paul Mawala, we've talked a bunch about him. Favai, Favai, Mujibrufai. Like, the starters are the guys that we expected and the guys that we we kind of thought were the studs. Every single one of those guys is going to have to have a fantastic game to give Idaho a shot at this. Because, realistically, 
Wazoo is going to put up points. It's it's just going to happen. You're not going to see this as a as a slow drag. Wazoo gets 21-28, and you, you try to really just grit it out the way like Montana did against Washington last year. That's not going to happen. Washington State is going to score points. It's going to depend on that front seven getting to Cam Ward and hoping hoping that the new secondary is going to to look at least better than the Bresky cushion of death did last year. That's that's the hope you have defensively is you have to get to that quarterback very, very quickly. Brian, you're muted. It had to happen. Secondary is going to be a real question for Idaho too. And just to go over who the starters are, because that's been a question we've had in the secondary uh, start Starting at the two cornerback slots, we're going to have Marcus Harris, redshirt sophomore, who we talked about last week. Other side is going to be Jeremiah Salam. And then in the two safety positions, we're going to have Sean McCormick and Matthias Bertram. Bertram is a transfer from New Mexico. So we're going to get our first shot. We're going to see how Bertram looks. We're going to see if some of these names are not new. For example, Marcus Harris, not a new name. McCormick, not a new name. We're going to get to see uh, against Pac-12 guys. Hey, is this new scheme from Rob Orich? Is this, are, are we at least going to get a little bit of evidence that this is going to look better than it had in the past seasons? I expect we're going to see those moments, even if the final score turns out to be relatively ugly. But I guess that that's what I'm going to jump jump to now, Dallas. I'm going to ask you. We've tried to be realistic about this upcoming game. Of one, fans should be stoked as hell the season starts. The Jason Eck era is officially beginning. You should be giving yourself permission to be giddy. But two, look, the first two weeks, it just sucks because that's the first two weeks Idaho funds its athletic department. And then the real season begins against Drake. But we're not going to learn nothing this week against WSU. We're not going to learn nothing against Indiana the following week. So I guess Dallas, can you tell me, obviously if Idaho scores more points than WSU, that's a win definitionally, but for you, what's a realistic uh, victory in your mind that Idaho could come away with, or that you think fans should be looking at? Because if your only metric of a successful first week for Jason Eck is beating a good PAC 12 team, that is just a preposterous expectation to have here, but I'm still optimistic about knowing I'm going to see something I like. So to you, Dallas, what is a win this week? A win to me is the base six offensive personnel looking like they belong and looking like they can succeed together. That's, that is going to be the win for me. If the five offensive linemen that, oh, I mean, there's obviously more than five offensive line, but if the five starters that are going to hopefully stay healthy and play most of the season, if those guys mesh and gel and look like they put up a, a pretty good fight against a a deep wazoo front seven. If they can do that, and if Giovanni McCoy, assuming it's Giovanni McCoy, if it's Gibbs or Jordan, the same thing goes. As I want the quarterback to show composure and that the moment isn't too big for them. We have had our fair share of quarterback struggles since Linehan's departure, and a lot of that, I think, comes from just piss-poor coaching. But now we've got a new new guy in charge, new offense, we're going to see, a, a, again, a lot of focus on running the ball, I think. But in the moments where the quarterback is going to have to make a play, when it's third and long and everybody knows that the quarterback is going to throw it, can the offensive line protect well enough? And can the quarterback make the right decision? I'm not saying that we're going to go out and see McCoy or Gibbs or Jordan go win this game. 
But that's what I'm looking for is for the team to compete, the team to make the right decisions. And maybe, you know, at the end of the day, they just lose because it is, it's the difference between FCS and F- FBS depth. That's what, that's what I'm looking for. If we can see that McCoy has made some growth, that offensive line can keep him upright, assuming again that it is McCoy. That's that's the win here if you can get out of the first game and feel confident about the offense moving forward. I have to assault the comment section real quick. So we have a couple. One special correspondent freshman at University of Idaho, Patrick Firks, uh, in the comment thread just said, hey, Jason Eck in the Chalk Talk said that he wants to move towards more two tight end sets, but this year, realistically, with the talent they have, you're going to see more three tight end sets without – now this is – thank you, Patrick – Jason Eck has also said repeatedly Alex Moore has really emerged as kind of a go-to target at the tight end spot as, as far as a pass catcher, which leaves Connor Whitney as more of the you know stronger blocker. Uh, Captain 58 says, pound it, pound it, pound it, and then surprise them, being WSU, with a deep shot. Hashtag only Tubbs. Thank you for the plug. Uh, helps out at patreon.com backslash Tubbs Club. And Sean Kramer, founder of Tubbs Club website back in the day, our namesake, and we're this whole thing started he says a win for him is competitive first quarter uh don't get punched in the mouth if we get outlasted by talent that's fine my my answer to what's a win it's kind of similar to sean this this first part is kind of a cop-out we need really to not have any injuries in particular in the o-line or minimal injuries on the O-line. I mean, we, we want no catastrophic injuries at all, but there will be injuries during the course of football season, during the course of just about every football game. Losing alignment early would be one of the ways that Idaho um, hits their worst-case scenario early and is more likely to be at the lower end of whatever projection for wins they have. Uh, another thing for me that's a win is, like, you, you kind of stole it for me talking about McCoy, I don't expect Giovanni McCoy to win this game. And yes, I'm going to speak as, as, as though Giovanni McCoy is the starter. It has, it has not been announced, but the best information we've been given for quite a while is to expect McCoy to be the starter. We know he's going to make some mistakes as a redshirt freshman starter. When he makes those mistakes, and we probably are going to see one or two against WSU, I want to see him rebound the following series or the following couple series as though it's not that big a deal. I mean, the leadership of McCoy is something Luke Schleisner talked about in our show. It's the thing people have been telling us for a while is one of the things that has separated Giovanni McCoy. I saw a version of that in the scrimmage when his first pass should have been a pick six. And after that, he was fine, but we know he's going to have a couple rough moments against WSU because they're, they're a good team. I want to see him rebound. I want to see a little bit of creativity on Jason X, uh, Luke Schleisner's play calling. Uh, I know they're not going to they're not going to completely, you know, unload the entire playbook week one. But, you know, I want to see Idaho looking frisky, at least for some moments. And I guess the overall the big win for me is Idaho has just gotten their ass kicked in these power five games for so long in just embarrassing fashions at, in at the end from honestly, essentially all of Petrina's time. But in particular, at the end, that 79 to seven loss at Penn State was a. Uh, a particularly rough night for me. If Idaho is look, if Idaho loses this game, but it feels like the result is almost in doubt for beyond the first quarter, maybe even you know stretching in the second half or the third, I'm fine with that. I just want to have enough moments from this game where I can tell myself, look, the excitement people have about Jason Eck is justified. This is just not the right setting for it to really showcase itself. 
I'm going to have some fun not getting embarrassed. I'm going to have some fun pointing it where the defense looks stronger, more or more aggressive in a way that'll matter against big sky teams. And then look, that's okay. So I guess looks, this might sound like low expectations, but that's because that's because look, Idaho hasn't looked good against the power five team for a long time. If we look solid for a while, I'm okay. I, I do want to point out we we did a lot of talking about the offense there defensively. I think we I think every single person listening to this would probably say the front seven is going to be fine throughout the year. The front seven was the strong point of the defense for years. There's obviously so much depth and so much still returning talent even after losing a bunch last year. For me, defensively, I want to see the cornerbacks compete at a different level than they have the last few years. And I'm not, I don't mean that as a drag against any of the guys, but when you're starting with the eight yard cushion of death and you're just nowhere near the guy when the throw gets made, like that's, that's tough. But what I want to see is the corners at least competing. And yes, they're probably going to get shredded from time to time by this defense. Two of Wazoo starters are six, three, our corners. We have one listed at six feet in the, in the top four corners. That's warrior Noel. Uh, realistically just athletically Idaho doesn't match up well with Ida with the Wazoo receivers you have Salam Jones Harris and Noyle as the four corners 511 59 511 six foot it's just that's part of the reason that they're at the FCS and why Wazoo's got receivers that are 63 in the FBS like it's just it's how it works there's obviously going to be the the man-to-man battle is going to be tough when you're at a severe height disadvantage, but I want to see those corners getting in there, being pests against the receivers, doing what corners are supposed to do, get in their heads and cover the guy rather than give him so much cushion that they can just throw little out routes and quick slants and, and chip away down the field. I want to see that change. And we've heard that Orich's defense looks a whole lot better than Bresky's. This is maybe not the time to show it, especially with the score and what what the stats are probably going to look like at the end. But I think you can you can see those glimpses of this is hopefully going to look a whole lot different than that Bresky offense. And against teams with comparable depth and comparable talent, maybe the secondary can maybe not shine, but at least be middle ground of the FCS and and middle ground of the Big Sky, which is a far far improvement from where they were the, the past few years no what you're saying is you cam ward is a legitimate nfl prospect very good chance look the guy might leave wsu early for next year's draft that's completely on the table you're saying look if cam ward and wsu's receivers beat idaho because cam ward's making throws big sky guys can't make and wsu guys are essentially all you know closer to like that therese trainer um, mold in terms of size and athleticism if they're making plays because they're just good that that's okay or if look if cam ward is hitting tight tight spots with, with his passes and that leads to you know some breakaway plays whatever you understand how against the big sky team that the that pass isn't happening or that catch isn't happening against the against northern colorado on homecoming we know those plays are going to happen but if our guys are are competing, if they're showing heart in a way that sometimes it kind of felt like they didn't. I mean, we look, we we talk, we've talked about the two deep, we've talked about scheme. One of the big differences between new coaching staffs, you know, year in, year out, is the culture they build. And the culture that everyone is stoked about in Idaho is it looks like there's a lot more positive energy. 
And it looks like this isn't going to be an Idaho team that, you know, underperformed significantly in the big sky for about three seasons. We want to see that that culture that we've heard so many great things about. We want to see what that looks like on the football field. We want to see a personality from this team that even if they're being outgunned, they're still fighting and they're fighting in a way that lets you know in three weeks, dudes, we're fine. And um, the last thing I want to talk about, we just skipped over this, but it matters because special teams like we've got new special teams coordinator, Thomas Ford. We've got some new special teams talent. The average fan probably expected to see Nick Romano on the special teams death chart at kick returner, punt returner. But um, and because Nick Romano is former All Big Sky as kick returner, former he's former FCS All American as kick returner, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, and he is not on the two deep at kick returner or punt returner. Uh, for kick returner and punt returner, it's the same two, same order. Jermaine Johnson, our number three receiver, is kick and punt return. Number two is freshman Jordan Dwyer. Uh, Jordan Dwyer is listed underneath. Therese trainer and that number one as the, you know, the backup at the number one receiver spot. We've heard a lot of good things about Jordan Dwyer. We've heard a ton of optimism about, Hey, this is a, this guy is going to mean something for Idaho football. And he's already moved ahead on special teams of an FCS all American. Well, and the other thing is he's also one of those guys that's expected to, to play at receiver. I know that he's, he's behind Therese trainer, but as a true freshman, he cracked the two deep at receiver and receiver was the deepest part of the team under Paul Petrino. Cause I think they carried about 24 most of the year. So, and I know that they've had a bunch of departures, but still Jordan Dwyer, just even cracking the two deep in a, what has historically been a pretty deep room is impressive. This is, I think the kid that maybe this is the other, the other thing to be watching out for vandals is, if Dwyer gets in on kick returns or punt returns or or maybe towards the end of the game, be watching for what he can do. There's not a whole lot of times that true freshmen get get playing time, and it'll be pretty interesting to see what he's going to do out there. Yeah, you know, before we get to score score predictions, as far as you know, Idaho being competitive, Idaho winning, to me, like the, the rhythm of this game, we've got to keep WSU off the scoreboard at least a little bit early. And this Idaho team probably needs to be able to punch WSU in the mouth in a surprise kind of way pretty quick if we're going to keep this competitive and stay close and um, you know keep the have this game be the kind of game everyone wants to see out of a Jason X team because like you look at the when Jason X at South Dakota State and they they killed Colorado State last season but look we we know there's just not yet the depth specifically up front to expect that against the team is good as WSU. But if I look, if Idaho can try to, you know, come, come up with an early stop and maybe advance a little little bit of that shock and awe that uh, people who are older may remember from the early two thousands. If we can do our version of that, I think this game can be competitive. The way this game isn't competitive for Idaho is if uh, we get the type of mistakes you might expect out of a redshirt freshman quarterback or, team with the offensive line first game under a new coach where look, if we're going to have growing pains that are frustrating, this is a week that you would expect to see them. Dallas, what what about you in terms of if this, if this game is close for Idaho, what's it going to look like? If this game is close for Idaho, it's, 
and, and I forgive anybody that hates me for saying this. It's Cam Ward gets injured early, very, very early. Uh, that's I think that's what it is. The 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 unfortunate reality here is the best player on the field is Wazoo's quarterback, and, and realistically, he's probably going to try to shred Idaho. The kids on the Maxwell Award watch list, for anybody that's not aware, the Maxwell is very similar to the Heisman. It's just a completely different category of people that vote for the most outstanding player in, in the nation. He's on the Maxwell Award watch list. There's a honestly a good argument to make that he should have won the Walter Payton Award last year. He won the Jerry Rice Award as a freshman. The kid is unbelievable. That if is he's not on If he's not on Incarnate Word last year, he wins that award. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No question. That's, I mean, incarnate word for anybody that's not super aware, Eric Morris, the, the current Wazoo OC, who was the head coach at incarnate word, they went 0 and 11, I think the year before he came in, he came in and they immediately won the conference. Like they, the dude turned the team around a program that's been historically absolute butt cheeks. Uh, so realistically that's step one. Cam Ward doesn't really play a lot. Uh, step two, again, Idaho has to hold the ball, no turnovers, and just drain that clock. We're talking getting close to 40 minutes of possession here. It, it, this has got to be a snap of the ball with two, three seconds on the clock every single time, hopefully get four yards of carry, and just play play football like it's 1948. Like It's it's just got to be that old school run it down their throat mentality. That's that's how Idaho keeps this game competitive or holds on to that, that small sliver of potentially winning is – Keep the ball out of Ward's hands, whether it's injury or whether it's just don't turn the ball over and hang on to it on offense. Well, Dallas, got to fact check you. Incarnate Word was one in ten before. Thank you. Before Eric Morris took over, um, in the two years that uh, Cam Ward started at Incarnate Word, team averaged forty-two points a game and then thirty-nine and a half points a game. This is why WSU brought the offensive coordinator from Incarnate Word in addition to the quarterback. You know, I a thing I'm going to be looking forward to is Jason Eck in interview after interview has given the look. It's both an answer and a non-answer of like, look, I'm not going to say if this is a run-heavy team or not because I need to see what our strengths are. At South Dakota State last year, is a 58% rush, 42% pass. I don't know if this game is going to be the best chance to to see play calling indicative of how Idaho is going to look the rest of the season, because if WSU builds a lead, you'd expect to see a little bit more passing than maybe Jason Eck wants to do. But, you know, look, there's a reason why people in WS at Washington state are stoked for Cam Warden, Eric Morris. And look, we're not trying to down to talk down Jeff Dickert head coach, by the way, uh, spend some time coaching with Jake, Jake Dickert, man. I'm good at screwing up those Jeff, those J names, uh, Jake Dickert, he spent some previous some time earlier in his career coaching with Jason Egg. Um, there's a reason that people are barely even talk about the defense. It's because a defensive head coach, you know, former DC takes over as head coach and the defense was strong. It just seems like that's stable. That's a given that that's going to be solid. If Washington state's different it's probably because the offense executes in a way they did not last year and against Idaho, we just have the unfortunate thing for Vandals of in two, two different ways. It's a WSU strength on Idaho weakness of the past defense at Idaho. Any person with who watched us play last few seasons would say that's, that's the relative weakness of our defense. Well, that's a relative passing is relative strength of WSU's offense. And then 
Washington State's relative strength defensively is their front seven. It is their two edge rushers. When we've talked about Idaho, we know we have solid for Big Sky for string, but that doesn't mean solid for Pac-12. So we we have the strength of WSU on in this game, a potential weakness of Idaho D-line on O-line. It's just a matchup that it's going to be tough for Idaho to shine. So you're going to be, you're going to, I think, have to look for those moments or those sections of the game where you can see how this, this Jason Eck team is going to look different and going to look more fun than the Paul Petrino years with the understanding that this is just a really shitty first game to have Jason Eck have as his first game as head coach. I mean, the the only thing I'm looking for here, realistically, like I, I know that we all hope that Idaho is going to win. Uh, it would be incredible for Idaho to pull off this win. But I think back to September 21st, 2013, when Petrino's first game against Wazoo ended 42-0 and Leach put the starters back in on the final drive to, to preserve the shutout. I don't think that's going to happen here. I don't think that I, I think the discrepancy in coaching between Mike Leach and Paul Petrino was much more vast than the discrepancy between Jake Dickert and Jason Eck. That's realistically what we're looking for is for Eck to at least put the stamp on this team and say, look, we're not going to roll over. We're not going to be, we're not going to be what this team was at the end of last year, where it felt like the fight was gone because everyone had checked out. They didn't want to listen to the, idiot in charge anymore and and that's that's the takeaway here is i'm just hoping to see idaho put up a fight i know that realistically they don't have the talent they don't have the depth it's it's just it is what it is when you're you're fighting an fbs team a power five team but i just hope we see Eck punch these guys in the mouth at least once then take the check come home healthy time for score predictions dallas who wins what's the score well, Wazoo wins. Uh, I think that's been pretty apparent of the way I've been talking for the last 40 minutes. Um, score prediction, honestly, I'm thinking probably something like 49 to 13. Change up. Martin, he has his sunglasses on. He, he Martin, look, if you are a viewer, you even missed this in the background. Martin put on his sunglasses to make the prediction. Producer Martin, who wins? What score? As much as the homer in me wants to pick Idaho, it's going to be, I think, I'll go 45-20 WSU. And that leaves me, look, Martin, you you stole the score that I wanted to do with. And I look, I'm going to pick Washington State because Washington State's a good football team and a good Pac-12 team should be any Big Sky team. I don't care if it's the best Big Sky team. Uh, Washington State wins... 45-21. God changed it up a teeny bit. That's our preview for this game. Uh, look, in when we post this on Twitter or just in the comment section, you guys can throw your predictions. A lot of predictions being thrown in are similar. Uh, we now have to get to the Martin Minute right after we say thank you for to Hughes River Expedition for bringing us around the bar. If you are looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. 
Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river, no return, the salmon river canyons or the subway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed meteor shower camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of, of river in the country. You just bring it close. Let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you up for the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Martin, your minute has begun. So not a whole lot in other fall sport activities. I think... Uh... I'll start out with Idaho's women's soccer team did win a, did win their game this weekend, bouncing back after a terrible 7-2 loss to San Diego State University last week. Came back and won 1-0, a very physical game against Nevada in Sunday in the Dome. And uh, volleyball lost their first three games throughout the year, which sucks after coming off of another bad season that happened last year. But first two games, they, shot, they lost six straight sets and then came on, then third game one had a more competitive game against Delaware state. So they are starting to trend in the upwards upward. They're starting to trend upwards in there with their play. And yeah, that's all I got for my little Martin minute. And that's been brought to you by hashtag only tubs, patreon.com backslash tubs, the club. We're going to pick the big sky. Uh, this we're kind of in the easy part for the, of picking the big sky all of us sit at one and zero because all of us picked idaho state to lose at unlv last week first game of this week and look the games are split in week one where the the first the first four or five are on thursday so big sky football kicks off this thursday september 1st first game is the worst game in my mind uh weber state hosts division two western oregon uh Dallas, look, we'll go you first. I know you've been fretting about this. Weber State's only at number 121 in Sagrin. Western Western Oregon, famous D2 team for getting their asses kicked by like Idaho State and Portland State. How's this going to go? Hey, Western Oregon won four games last year. So let's let's put some respect on that name. They beat Simon Frazier 24 to 7. Like that, that was a hell of a fight right there. Realistically, no. Weber State is going to steamroll this team. Uh, this the D one D two scheduling D two teams is stupid. Yeah, especially for a team like Weber State. Look, Weber State's going to win this game. The maybe the things that are interesting is yet again Weber State has another new offensive coordinator. Coordinators have kind of come and go in Weber State over the last few years, and not a gigantic amount changes offensively. Weber still scores a lot against the shitty teams because they can just overpower them. Josh Davis is a good running back. He's healthy right now. Bronson Barron. Look, the, the story Weber State fans have about why they underperform in the last year is because they got banged up in the spring. Well, they get a dry run this week. They're going to beat Western Oregon. Martin. Western Oregon is going to get absolutely steamrolled this week, and I it's not going to be close. Okay. Next game. Northern Arizona travels to Arizona State, so Idaho's not the only team, Big Sky team, playing a Pac-12 team. Dallas, NAU at Arizona State. 
I mean, Arizona State's had a lot of drama recently. Uh, Herm Edwards might get fired very soon, uh, not necessarily because of his performance. His performance has been fine-ish for the most part, but the the massive amount of recruiting violations that they have, that program, if you ask me three years from now, ripe for an upset. Right now, not a chance. Yeah, not a chance. Arizona, look, we, we just talked about WSU, who's number 53 in Sagarin ratings. Arizona State is 35. Northern Arizona pulled off a Pac-12 upset last season, beating an Arizona team that probably would not have won the Big Sky. That's not happening this week. Uh, thing I'm looking for is, again, R.J. Martinez. We talked about him on this show. 13 touchdowns, one pick last season. Is he going to take a step forward as a freshman, or was last year his ceiling? We're going to see. We might not see for sure this game. Martin, who wins? ASU forks up. After that, this, we're still Thursday games. Cal Poly travels to uh, Mountain West, Fresno State, which, man, I mean, when I think of Fresno State, I still think of the kickoff to that 2018 season. Cal Poly sitting at 196 in Sagarin ratings. Dallas, I guess, uh, is there any question? No question at all. Fresno State is going to steamroll this team. I know that there's, you know, the, even the Idaho State UTEP, there was like that moment of like, hey, Idaho State looks like they've got a little fight. I think if you're a Cal Poly fan this weekend, you're just hoping that they get 150 yards. I think this is going to be the ugliest game this weekend. Martin. Fresno State, I think it'll be like the uh, 2018 Idaho game. Yeah, Fresno State is number 62 Sagarin ratings. Uh, they're the, at, on paper, they're the top team in the, I think it's the, is it, it's the Mountain West Western Division. So, and against, you know, a bottom, projected bottom three Big Sky team, this is the win for Cal Poly is being competitive at all. And the win for Cal Poly is giving people reason to believe that Bo Baldwin's team is going to start to show that step in there, what I'm still calling their second season, what Dallas calls their third season because of the recruiting classes. Next, top five Portland State travels to San Jose State, another Mountain West team, and Mountain West team that honestly I would love if Idaho could be able to schedule. Dallas, what's going to happen? San Jose State's number 93, Sagarin. I mean, can you really ever bet against top five Portland State, the same top five Portland State that only beat Western Oregon 21 to seven last year after we just talked about how poorly they're going to do against Weber State? All of this is filibustering. No, there's not a chance San Jose State is going to smoke Portland State. Martin. San Jose State. Yeah, I'm just going to go to the comment thread. Uh, Captain58 says, Cal Poly quit before the Fresno game is over, question mark. And Sean Kramer, JK, and are still at Fresno. Their offense is going to be good. Yeah, of course. This Look, this is the, the, the victory to me from the big sky looking at week one games is there's only one D2 game this week. There's only one more D2 game left in the big sky schedule at all. The rest are FBS and we're about to get some FCS games. So yeah, Cal Poly is going to lose. I mean, Portland state's going to lose to San Jose state. Now it gets interesting. Montana hosts Northwestern state. It's an FCS game. Dallas. I mean, there's a reason that we picked Montana to win the conference. Montana is one of the best teams in the FCS. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Uh, other than North Dakota State, I don't think you could pick another team to be favored against Montana. 
got to go with Montana here. I keep sticking with my homerism. I'm going with Northwestern State. Martin with a shocker. Uh, reference point, Montana 89 and Sagarin. That counts FBS teams. Northwestern State 200. This is an FCS version of a body bag game. Montana is going to roll. Uh, one of the things for Montana, though, that uh, we just learned too deep is released today is uh, their, the, their transfer, Luke, Luke Johnson from Sa San Diego State. He is the quarterback. He is starting quarterback, beat out Chris Brown. But one of the guys that people are stoked about returning to Montana, Marcus Knight, running back, ran for over 20 touchdowns in 2019, then missed 2021. He's not even listed on the two deep. He's not not number one or number two. So uh, pretty wild there. Montana is going to obviously win this game. I, I know I know Martin Martin is willing to sacrifice his overall record to pick against Montana. So I guess I have to congratulate that. UC Davis at Cal. Hey Brian, before we move on, have they picked a, a number thirty-seven yet? Have they settled that yet? You know, let's talk about that for about two seconds. Montana has this um, a tradition where the number 37, it's an honorary number. It is given to an in-state player. And the the way each, the number 37 moves each season is the last number 37 gets to pick the next number 37. There's no committee. There is no consulting. One dude picked, picks the next dude, the end. Well, that has... um. Bobby Houck has had some issues with, with how 37 is uh, being handled. Right now, he is refusing to acknowledge uh, that, that that tradition is being held up by Bobby Houck. Um, I, I'll look up the dude in a second when I'm done talking. But in short, this is nepotism landing in Montana. Bobby Houck wants his kid to be able to get number 37 and uh, is inventing a relatively big distraction right now. That is like the dumbest distraction in the world. Cause it's simply what number um, who it's simply who gets to wear this Jersey as Dallas is uh, going over the UC Davis in Cal game. I'll look up the name that Bobby Houck is currently screwing, but like Montana social media has already blasted who 37 was a while ago. I mean, question for those in the chat right now, what's worse engineering a way to get your kid a specific jersey number or engineering a way to get your kid to be the quarterback for two years discuss in the comments um realistically though uc davis cal cal's not a phenomenal pac-12 team justin wilcox has made a pretty decent defense there but again bo baldwin was going to be fired and then moved on to the cal poly job because they just haven't figured out how to get the offense right but UC Davis is an FCS school. Yes, they're one of the better ones, but I, I just don't see it here. The, the depth is just is going to ruin them. It, it's how it works almost every time that an FBS, FCS school plays. There's just there's just too much there from the FCS. UC Davis is not a team, I think, that has the quality of, of talent or coaching. Shots fired at Cody Hawkins, speaking of nepotism. Uh, I just don't see it. I, I, I couldn't pick against Cal here. Yeah, okay, got the, got the numbers right. Last year's number 37 linebacker, Jace Lewis, selected Marcus Wellnell, a linebacker as well, to be number 37. 
but and Montana social media has already blasted out. Bobby Houck has said, no, I'm saying this because I'm picking Cal, obviously, to beat UC Davis. Uh, it might be a little more competitive than it. This is actually a game that's been competitive a couple times. UC Davis and Cal uh, do schedule each other a decent amount, kind of like Idaho WSU over a course of five years. are going to schedule each other one or two times, but easy, easy to pick Cal here. Uh, Martin. Uh. I'm picking Cal, but I think it's like you guys said, it's going to be close, but not like close, close. Okay. Next interesting game, Eastern Washington hosts. And this is a, this is a big game for Eastern. They host Tennessee state FCS game. So this game matters for playoff Dallas who wins, man, I, I mean, Tennessee State was decent last year. They were five and six in Eddie George's first season. Honestly, better than I think they had any right to be. Uh, so the question is: Does this team continue to grow? Does Eddie George do the kind of the same thing as as Deion Sanders has? Bring in a bunch of good recruits, show that you're not just like a famous face. You're actually a legitimately good coach. Or does the Eastern train just keep rolling? And right now, I've got to pick the Eastern train. I know that they've lost Barrier, but they have so much talent coming back. This is a this is a game they have to win if they want to get into the playoffs. This is a game they have to go win. Martin, I'm going Eastern. Yeah, you know, Dallas, you brought up Eddie George, and Eddie George is doing a much different version of the Ed McCaffrey in Northern Colorado, where Eddie George clearly is taking this position at Tennessee State seriously. Clearly, talent at Tennessee State has improved. They're thought of as like a dark horse to potentially win win their league this year, which it's not. Look, there's, there is a pretty big gap between, you know, schools like conferences like the Big Sky and then conferences, you know, like let's say the SWAC or the Southland. Uh, but uh, East, look, I expect Eastern is going to win this game. I think there's a – uh, correct me, Ohio Valley for Tennessee State. My bad, Tennessee State, Ohio Valley Conference. I'm going to pick Eastern. Look, you already hit on it that there are some questions at, at Eastern Washington, but this is a must-win game. Aaron Best knows this is a must-win game. And look, Aaron Best has been improving Eastern defensively the last handful of years. We know their line's going to be solid. If Tennessee State's not like an elite FCS team, I still think you got to pick Eastern in this game. You know, Tennessee State's upstart, but you don't pick teams like that to beat the big boys until they do. And like you said, Dallas, the Tennessee state solid last year, five and six, but like, I mean, in Ohio Valley, that's not close to playoff material. Northern Colorado, who I had to bring up earlier, they now this is where I'm going to be jealous of Northern Colorado. They host Houston Baptist in Greeley, Dallas. This is going to be a shock to those who don't know anything about Houston Baptist. Take Northern Colorado. If there were if there was a spread on this game, take Northern Colorado. We all think Ed McCaffrey's a moron, but Houston Baptist is like the worst program in the history of programs. They have only been around since 2013. They are 19 and 70, and they are most known for Bailey Zappi being their quarterback in their best season ever when they went five and seven. And then he promptly got hurt, transferred to Western Kentucky, and then set a bunch of FBS records and is now a member of the Patriots in the NFL. So there's no way I could ever pick Houston Baptist here. That, that that is that is a poverty program right there. Northern Colorado all the way. Martin. I'm taking the fight in McCaffrey's. 
Yeah, Houston Baptist last year lost to Northern Colorado 45 to 13. That, that was, of course, out of conference. But last year, we've I've talked about a thousand times. Northern Colorado averaged 12 points a game in the big sky, and they scored 45 against Houston Baptist. Now, Houston Baptist is obviously terrible. Northern Colorado is going to look much better in my mind than they are. There's going to be like five Northern Colorado fans online who are going to be really stoked to say, look how, look how good this team is. But, uh, and then they'll face plant when they play anyone who's not terrible, but obviously Northern Colorado is going to beat Houston Baptist, Montana state versus McNeese state. I mean, same thing here. Assuming you're kicking it to me, Montana state is one of the top programs in the, the, in the, the big sky and the FCS, obviously, Made it to the national championship game last year. Not a chance you can take you can take McNeese State in this one. Martin. Uh Montana State. Yeah, one look, no one knows this but me. Martin sitting here as the producer trolling me, typing in that I picked Houston Baptist. Thank you, Martin. But uh Look, look, Montana State, McNeese State, this is another version. Look, the, the Montana schools get to do their bye games to get in the playoffs. Just like Northwestern State, the whole point of it is for Montana to get a playoff win. The whole point of McNeese State and Montana State is for Montana State to pick up a playoff win. Uh, I don't I don't think we learned anything about Tommy Malott and the passer in this game because I don't even think you need to throw a pass for Montana State to handle McNeese State. Sacramento State at Sacramento State hosting the former Dixie State, now Utah Tech Trailblazers, Dallas. I mean, again, we've talked about Sac State and winning the conference back-to-back years. The former Dixie State, now Utah Tech Trailblazers, went 1-10 last year. There's not a chance. Uh, Sac State all the way. Martin. Sac State. Yeah, in the whack. Utah Tech is picked to finish last below uh, some FCS giants, Southern Utah, who you know left the Big Sky and is now part of the WAC. Uh, I think Sacramento State. Look, last season Sacramento State was a little bit iffy in the OOC, trying to figure out what they're doing. They're settled on their on their offensive scheme with that hybrid quarterback system. I think Sacramento State is also looking to uh, kind of put their footprint on this season early. Because there's still a little bit of lingering doubt around the program because they had such a dog shit schedule last season. But Sacramento State, to me, is going to not really have too much difficulty. Uh, we already covered Idaho at Washington State. And Idaho State gets to come away with a win this season, uh, this week, because they're on bye. Because Idaho State uh, lost last week, I will say. just We to don't talk. know if they, could, if they are going to win this bye week. They could get another coach arrested for murder suspicion. We well, look what, what I'll say about Idaho State just adds something about the Bengals because they did play in week zero. For the first seven minutes, Idaho State looked like they were showing some fight. They had an offensive line holding up against UNLV that made you think, oh, okay, like this is a little bit of surprising for seven minutes. Then after that seven minute mark, oh, also Idaho State moved the ball pretty well, in particular through the air. They just fell apart, surrendered 35 points in the second quarter. Charlie Ragel has said he wanted, wants to have a little bit more of a run impact on the offense this season or wants to run the ball a little bit more. Idaho State rushed about twice as many times as they passed against UNLV and averaged 1.3 yards per carry. So uh, I'm just going to say, I don't think if Idaho State is going to commit to running the ball, I just don't think they're going to be very good this year. Uh, but they're going to have to 
keep their quarterback healthy because Tyler Vanderwall started the game, got hurt. Hunter Hayes came in. Their stat lines are similar, but Hunter Hayes through his yards per cat per attempt was about half of what Vanderwall's was. So uh, Bengal fans need to hope Vanderwall gets better over the next week. And Charlie Ragle figures out that if you can't run, you probably shouldn't. Couldn't have said it better myself. Dudes, that's a show. So, after, look, we're all going to be at the WSU game. So if you're at the WSU game, hit us up. Uh, you want to support the show, help us out. Hashtag only tubs, patreon.com backslash tubs, tubs of the club. You do that. That's how you get the one and only King Spud sticker that exists in the entire universe, which our patrons already have. In addition to that, viewers can see Dallas is holding up his, his King Spud sticker. Uh, listeners will be getting nothing from this, but they can know it does exist. Um, we will, we're still going to, we still have to figure out how to do the, how we're going to do the post game show because all three of us are going to be in Pullman. So uh, that's going to be kind of as we're able to do it, but that's kind of the rhythm we've got is we're going to do the previews during the week and reaction when we can over the weekend. I'm also probably going to launch a short on my own, uh, at this point on my own big sky power rankings run through, just go through the entire conference real quick uh, to make sure listeners, if you want national cover, not national, if you want entire conference bet coverage, you can still get it, get it at tubs of the club. You'll see it. And if you download podcast, you'll see it download on its own. If you check the YouTube, you'll see it hit that subscribe, help us out on YouTube as well. With that, I'm, I'm going to throw it to the Picasso of outros. Who's been uh, taking a little bit of a break as the Picasso of outros last month. That's Martin Heemstra until next time. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.